Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How's everybody doing today? Are y'all ready for tomorrow? How many of you, how many of you have not started shopping yet? <laughs> hey, can I ask all y'all to stand up? We want to say hello to all the campuses and all the people out there in the military. Let's give all the people out there in the military a big hand. God bless y'all. Was that, uh, was that video awesome? Was that video awesome? I, I've seen that video like 20 times. I still cry every time. That young lady uh, started coming here when she was nine years old. I found out that the day we met her. So she's been a faithful and God has blessed her. And I want to encourage you to uh, this Christmas season be looking around for somebody you can bless that may be an unexpected blessing to you to bless them. Amen. And we all have the people that we expect to get something from or expect to give something to. Uh, but God may have somebody, a, a surprise for you that you don't even know that you can bless. And, and let me tell you something, it'll, it'll bless you big time to do that. Amen? Amen? Hey, before we pray, let's do our memory verse. If you, hey, yes, Christmas Eve. Yeah. How, how many of you were here yesterday? How many of you were here yesterday? Raise your hand. Okay, put your hand. How many of you were not here yesterday? Okay, okay, very good. Welcome, welcome to church. Uh, how many of you were here not for the whole year? How about that? Okay, okay. <laughs> welcome to church. We're here every Sunday. Um, <laughs> next year, and I'm going to give you a preview, next year we are going to lean into discipleship and we are going to read through the Bible as a church. And what I mean by that is that we're going to have uh, chapters assigned every day. It's going to take you 15 minutes a day if you haven't read through the Bible. 15 minutes a day. How many of you all have never read through the whole Bible? Raise your hand. Okay, very good. You're a perfect candidate for this. We're going to read through the Bible. Every sermon I preach is going to be based on what you're going to read. So it's going to give you a preview of what you're going to read. We're going to have small groups that we always have called all groups. There are going to be questions for the all group based on the reading and the sermon. We're going to create D groups, which are discipleship groups that you obviously can opt into that are going to be gender specific, three to five guys, three to five ladies for one year, high accountability. And after that year, you split up and get your own group. It is not a Bible study. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. It's more about accountability and growth. We're going to give you all the questions so you can hold each other accountable and take your commitment to the Lord to another level. We're also going to have curriculum for youth and children that are all going to be based on the reading. So we're all going to be doing the same thing, memorizing the same verses, reading the same chapters every week, and it's going to give us real focus. So we're going to re pre review, preview the same stuff all year long together. Um, I believe, I know the word of God never returns void. And if you uh, allow yourself to be discipled through this process, and again, part of it's Sunday and then a part of it's the rest of the week, is that God is going to do an amazing thing in your life. Don't let church be something you come to every now and then. Can I get amen? amen. So every Sunday we're going to review uh, a verse. We're going to do one verse a month in church, but we're going to have one every week in the D groups. But we'll just do one a month because people don't come every week. We love you to come every week. But uh, we want to do one today. So this one we've been doing for the last three or four weeks. Matthew 28, 18, 19. Everyone say Matthew 28, 19. Let's read it. Say, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Say it again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It actually lives in your heart and it moves around and reminds you of stuff. Okay, so this is not just words. This is actually the power of God that you're reciting. So you memorize it, it's going to do something in your life. So let's read it again on three. One, two, three. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Watch this. I'm gonna just answer my questions. Go where? And do what? Of what? And do what? In whose name? Look at the person next to you. Answer the question. Go what? And do what? Of who? And do what? In whose name? Okay, take it off the screen. Take it off the screen. Y'all are cheating. I know y'all like this. <laughs> look, at the, look up here. Just look at me. Look at me. You got it. You got it. Your brain got it. Your heart got it. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Give the person next to you a high five and a big hug. I know y'all, a lot of y'all like, whoo. I haven't been in church in a year. You got me memorizing verses. <laughs> On the <laughs> Let's try this one. <laughs> On the count of three, lift your Bibles up and say word. <laughs> On the count of three, lift your Bibles up and say word. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> Very good. Turn to Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter two. <clears throat> Lord, I just pray our church learns to count. <laughs> just to three. Just to three. Lord, thank you for uh, being born. Thank you for dying. Thank you for being good to us. Pray you bless us today. Pray you bless all the people at all our campuses watching right now. Lord, Christmas is a, uh, the happiest season of the year. But it doesn't take away the burdens that we carry. It doesn't take away the financial stresses we carry, the relational stress we carry. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to people today and that we would allow you to do what you want to do in our life. And as we talk about the reaction to your birth, being born of a virgin, I want to just want to pray for all the couples who cannot have babies. As Mary was pregnant before she came together with her husband by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray you touch wombs, men and women who can't have babies, who are having fertility issues for whatever reason. You are the great physician. I pray that there will be supernatural pregnancies in the next month. That doctors would scratch their head and say, we have no idea how that happened. And then they can say, we know what happened. <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> amen, amen. <laughs> when, I was a, when, I, when I was a youth pastor, I would, uh, these teenage girls would come to my youth group uh, at our Bible study at the house, and they would be pregnant. They would say, Miles, I have to tell you I got pregnant. I was like, oh, yeah. They said, I don't know what happened. I said, I know what happened. <laughs> uh, if you have had a um, fertility issues and you all of a sudden find yourself pregnant, give glory to God when you go to the doctor and tell him, uh, no, I passed to pray for God to touch me and, or, and, your, and male, female, whatever the uh, issues are, that he would bring life to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
uh, there was a um, uh, nativity, there is a nativity at Balboa Park here in San Diego. And next to it, someone put up a, a banner that said that there's no heaven, no hell, God is a myth, and, and religion is a myth, and it's not true, and a bunch of other stuff. And every time you see and live in nativity, and you see Jesus and Mary and Joseph, three wise men, you have to understand that there's positive reaction and negative reaction. And there's always stories behind the real story. And yesterday we looked at the story behind the story with Mary and Joseph, how when Joseph was told the woman that you're going to marry is pregnant, and he kind of went postal biblical style and wanted to put her away and divorce her. They were engaged, but in that culture, when you were engaged and betrothed to a woman, you can only break up by divorce. The angel came and said, your, woman, your, your, your wife is pregnant, uh, but she's pregnant by God, so just let it, just roll with it, okay? <laughs> I'm sure the angel didn't say roll with it, but uh, you know, it says something like biblical, like roll with it. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry, it's, it's going to be okay because I'm doing something in your wife way bigger than you. You can't understand it if I explain it to you. He told him, your wife's going to have a son. His name is going to be Jesus. He's going to die for the sins of the world. I know you can't handle that kind of pressure right now, so just deal with it. And everything will be working out fine. So Joseph had to do that. He had to go along with the program, see his wife blow up, and knowing he had never been with her, and deal with all the gossip. Are you all following what I'm saying? Sometimes when you follow God, it's not what you want. If, you, if, you, if you're wondering how come, if God is in my life, why is this stuff going like this? God, is, God can work out anything and anything. You have to trust him through everything. I mean, don't think that when you give your life to Christ, your problems go away. Because that's not true. Look at Jesus. They killed him. And he, had, he had nothing. He didn't own anything. He was broke, bloody, and hanging on the cross, and everybody rejected him, and his disciples ran. He had no church building. He had no congregation. He had 12 disciples. One betrayed him. That's what he had. But he started something that would grow, and, and we'll get into that next year in January. And by the way, next year when we talk about discipleship, um, we are also going to go on a fast uh, starting January 6th. And you get information on the reading plan. That's going to start January 1. You can get information on the fast and the D group, R group, by, by texting disciple to 52525. It's in your lesson plan right in front of you in your hand, so you can check that out later. But please get that information, because when we get here January 6th, we don't want you to be six days behind in the reading. Start January 1. Amen? January 1. Uh, but in this story here, we're going to read, Jesus is born, and there are three people who react to his birth. There was King Herod, who had a reaction, along with Jerusalem. Then there are the chief priests and scribes. They, they, they really were kind of had a semi-reaction, but they're not the main, ain't the main characters in the story. But it was, the, it was King Herod and the Magi, the wise men. And the King Herod and the Magi had two opposite reactions. King Herod was troubled. We're going to talk about that. And the Magi rejoiced. They were happy. Whenever you talk about God, especially Jesus, some people are mad, and some people are glad. Now, the, the chief priests and the scribes were indifferent. They just said, and you're going to see in a minute, they just said, here's what the Bible says about a Savior, but they really didn't pay any attention to it. But Herod was troubled, and the Magi were rejoiced. They were happy. As I read the story, I want you to think about what is your reaction to the Savior. Now, 
not what is your reaction to the fact that Jesus was born or the fact that Jesus is real. And by the way, he is a historical fact. His birth is a historical fact. His death is a historical fact. And his resurrection is a historical fact. It's not a myth. You can go to Jerusalem and go to the tomb. He's not in the tomb. They've been charging two dollars, probably twenty dollars now, to go in there and see an empty tomb for twenty-two thousand years, and he ain't there. I mean, if you go there, right? It's, it's really kind of comical because I remember I went there one time, and the dude was standing there, it's like he, you know, he looked like he'd been standing there for two thousand years taking money, and he's like, "Go ahead, give me your money." And people go in there and look around, and they come out like they tell everybody something that we don't know. He ain't there, okay? He, he ain't there. That's a historical fact that he rose from the dead. My question to you is not. What is your response to that? My question is not what is your response to the fact that Jesus' name is used as a curse word or that his execution table is used as jewelry. People wear a cross on on their neck and their earrings. That's what he was killed on. It's not jewelry. You can use it as jewelry, but just understand that's what he was killed on. So when he sees that, he goes, man, I was killed on that. Just understand that's what that was, okay? And, and, and that death represented payment for your sin. So there are a lot of people wearing that cross, but they don't understand what, what, it, what it, the full impact. They just think it's, you know, it's kind of like good luck charm. Look, I believe in God. That's not my question. My question to you is, what is your thought about Jesus being king? You taking yourself off the throne of your life and putting him on the throne. That's the question. Because it's one thing to say there's a God, and if you ask 90%, I don't know, a very high percentage of people in the United States of America, they will believe they're God. There are some atheists who don't believe there's God. Well, they say they don't. But if, it's, if there's no God, then what is there not to believe in? And what is there to fight and argue against? Right? If it's not there, then don't say anything. It doesn't matter. Okay? But what is your response to this? That Jesus wants to be king in your life. He wants to run your life. He wants to tell you who to date, how to date. How to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a mother, how to be a father. He wants to tell you and guide you how to spend your money, how to invest your money, how to view your money. He wants to tell you how to use your body, take care of your body, invest your talents. He wants to show you what your talents are. He wants to guide and direct you into your relationships, your business relationships, your social relationships. He wants to be involved in all that. And by the way, he knows all of that better than you. So he wants you to surrender your life to him. That's the question. Because when we read this story, you're going to read that. The, the, the Magi said the king of the Jews was born. And what, what that meant was that the savior of the world is here. The one we all have to bow our knee, our knee to is here. So you have to decide, are you going to bow your knee and say, Jesus is Lord. Or are you going to bow your knee and say, oh, Jesus is Lord. Because the Bible says that one day every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to fess, whether you like it or not. And you are going to confess that he is Lord. What does that mean? You may say, well, if I don't believe in God, don't matter. I could say I don't believe in gravity. I don't believe in gravity. It's not real. And then jump off a building. What's going to happen? I'm going to fall. Because me believing it doesn't change the fact that it's there. I'm, I'm going to say that one more time really quick. Because you could say people, people will say to you, well, you can believe whatever you want. You can, but that doesn't change the fact of what's true. I could say I don't believe in gravity and jump off a five-story building. And my belief that there is no gravity doesn't change the fact that gravity is there and I will die. So you could say you don't believe in God. It doesn't make God go away. So one day everybody's going to do this. Everybody. I don't care what, what you believe in. You are going to bow your knee and say Jesus is Lord. 
You're either going to say, Jesus is my Lord, praise the Lord, or you're going to say, oh, snap, I was wrong. <laughs> Jesus Lord. <laughs> One of those two is going to happen. Amen? So, so let's read this. And by the way, just in case you're saying, well, well how do you know I'm going to, you know, what if I don't believe that? And how do you, how do you know it's going to happen? Uh, he's alive. You never want to trust your eternal life into the hands of someone who's dead. You never want to talk to something that can't talk back. And I don't mean a mute person. I'm talking about a, in a, in a, like a tree or an idol. You, never want to, you don't want to pray to a tree to give you something a tree doesn't have. You don't want to go to someone who's got no money and get money advice. Yo, man, I got, I got a million dollars. Can you help me invest it? Uh, I'm just trying to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help you. You, you want to make sure who you are praying to. So in this story, I want you to look at the two responses, and then you're going to be challenged to take a, make a decision about your response. Either you are going to be troubled and say, eh, or you're going to rejoice. Okay, let's read. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now understand, Herod is king of the Jews. And the wise men who looked at the stars, they were the counselors to the kings of Persia, and they had a, a reputation of understanding the stars. They had a, a reputation of being wise and powerful and, and discerning and honorable. And they said, yo, man, the king of the Jews was born. Okay, where's he at? And Herod's like, me, I'm the king of the Jews. And by the way, that was his, one of his titles, king of the Jews. And they said, no, 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 he was just born. It's not you. Okay. And it says, verse 2, where is he who is king of the, uh, born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod heard, the king heard this, he was troubled. Everyone say troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. The reason he was troubled is because he's the king. That's like someone come and say, hey, man, um, the pastor of the rock was just born. No, the pastor of the rock was born a long time ago. <laughs> no, no. You get ready to get de-pastored. <laughs> when Herod heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes, the religious of the people, he inquired of them, where is the Christ to be born? What does the Bible say? And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are you not the least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may worship him also. Is that right? You want to worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until they came and stood over the young child where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Herod was troubled. The king, Herod was troubled. The wise men rejoiced. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped. Everyone say worship. And they opened their treasures and they presented him with gold frankincense, and myrrh. <laughs> Everyone say myrrh. Uh, 
two very simple questions. Well, one very simple question. What is your reaction? Jesus was born, and we know the rest of the story. He lived 33 years. He had a ministry of three years. He had 12 disciples. One betrayed him. Why did one betray him even though he picked them all? My guess is that you always have someone betray you, so get over it. I didn't get over it. It's going to happen. But God will get you through. And then he died a brutal death, is what we celebrate on Good Friday. And then he rose from the dead, which is what we celebrate on Easter. And then he ascended into heaven. And then the Holy Spirit came and started the church. God wants to change your life. He wants to heal your relationships. He wants to give you vision. He wants to forgive you of your sin and give you a whole new start in life. The perfect thing about Christmas being at the end of the year, listen, you got six days left to the, uh, seven days left to the end of the year to a whole new start of a whole new year. Give your life to Christ now and set your life on a whole new course. If you are a visitor, I did cocaine for two years. I did drugs for eight years. God saved April 12, 1984, stopped in one day. And God said, you're going to go this way, you're going to go that way. This is the power of God. Herod was a very paranoid, evil man. Herod was king 33 years, same length of time Jesus was alive. Herod killed his wife, his mother-in-law, and his three sons, and a bunch of other people. He was paranoid about everybody who would threaten him. Matter of fact, he was so hated and knew no one would cry when he died. He told them to arrest a bunch of people who in Jerusalem that that were innocent, and he said, when I die, you kill all those people so people are crying on the day I die. That's how evil he was. And matter of fact, once he found out where Jesus was born, he went and killed all the kids under two years old in that whole town, thinking, I got to find him. This is how evil guy he was. And so when it says he was troubled, why, while Jerusalem was troubled, when they heard Herod was troubled, because they knew Herod was going to do something crazy. But he was troubled because if the, if the king of the Jews is born, that means he is going to get dethroned. The reason people got a problem with God is not because there's a God. They got a problem with God taking over their life. The Bible says a fool says in his heart there is no God, not his head. And what, the reason not his head is because the evidence is clear that somebody had to do all of this. Somebody had to bring everything. Nothing can bring nothing into existence. Something had to bring everything into existence. Especially when you look at the order and beauty of the universe, much less this planet. Something had to bring it into existence. Even if it got banged it, somebody had to bang it. And somebody had to organize what got banged it. Amen? Amen. Ladies, when you wake up and all oh, this is banged it, it's just blowed up, right? You got you to gotta, you gotta put mascara on and, and get your hair right and, get your, and put, you know, apply pressure, heat, and product to make it all look beautiful. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, I'm not trying to pick on you because guys will wake up, bang it, and just go to work. I'm just saying that y'all, <laughs> y'all understand the process. You can't just wake up jacked up and just go. It takes order. It takes intelligence. It takes creativity. Can I get an amen? So when you look at everything on the planet, in the universe, the evidence is something ordered that. Something creative did that. The reason people don't want to believe that is they don't want to accept that there's a God that they have to bow down to. Because we humans are sinful, we are selfish. We want to control our life. So when a savior comes into the world, that one day you're going to have to bow down to you. Like Herod was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not liking that plan. So is that you? Or are you going to be like the mad guy? 
that when they saw him, they worshiped him. They gave him gold because they recognized he was a king. He was a king of kings. He is the ultimate authority. They gave him frankincense because he was a priest. Frankincense was incense that you would, uh, that represented prayers to God, that the priest would offer. A priest is another word is bridge builder. That Jesus was a bridge builder between me and you. A priest's job is to point people to Jesus, not be the source of God, but to point you to God. My job is not to bring you to me, it's to point you to God. Go read your Bible, go pray, go serve, go give, go, go forgive, go that way, go Jesus. The, the difference between a cult and a church is a cult says, I got all the answers. The church says, the answers in the word of God. Go to the, the Holy Spirit, go to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So Jesus as a priest says, listen, I'm a mediator. I'm going to die for your sin so you can have a relationship with the Father. Even though he was God, he came down and humbled himself and became lower, lower than a man, as a man. He humbled himself. And the Bible says because he was humbled, he was exalted. And, and matter of fact, same passage that says because he humbled himself, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So Jesus was king. He was also a priest. And then they brought him myrrh. They would say myrrh. I love that word. Say myrrh. Got to feel it right here. Say myrrh. They brought him myrrh because... He was going to die. They embalmed bodies with myrrh. He was going to die. He was born so he would die. He was not born to have a kingdom here. He said, I don't want your kingdom. Y'all got ghetto kingdom. Where I come from, the streets are gold. <laughs> Where I come from, there's angels and lightning and thunder when we worship God. So the, 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 the wise men came and said, you are God. And you know what the wise men did? They traveled 400 miles. If by camel, three weeks. If walking, a month. And if they did it by night because they were following a star, it took even longer. They believed so much that there was this, the king of the Jews was born, the savior of the world, that they would walk 400 miles or go by camel, following a star, saying, we have to know. How far are you willing to go? What are you willing to do to receive everything God has for you? Our culture, when I say our culture, United States of America, Estados Unidos, God is like 400 miles. I had people come to me, well, I don't go to Rock anymore. How come? Well, it's too far. They live right in PB. They don't want to drive 15 minutes. They want to drive 40, 40 minutes. I can't read the Bible every day. It's just I, I'm too busy. I can't pray. I can't, I can't serve. And God's like, I'm not worth more than that to you. So, simple question. Are you going to be like Herod where you say, I'm not liking this. I don't want to give up my power. The religious scribes, they were just whatever, and there's a lot of people are there. Or are you going to be like the mad guy where you say, I will do anything to honor and give honor to the Lord that he deserves. In a minute, we're going to pray. And you're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. Christmas is not a holiday just to come to church. It is an event where the Savior of the world came into a savior of the world was born, that we would have an opportunity
to have a relationship with our Father. Don't give up this opportunity to be like the Magi and say, Lord, I'm ready to give my life to you. I want the abundant life, the eternal life that you were born and died to give me. I want clarity about who and why I am. I was having a discussion with somebody about why God made people. And they said, God made people to worship him. I said, nope. God did not make us to worship him. He made us to go to ch- so we can go to church. Nope. He made us so we can sing. Nope. Made us so we can, we can read the Bible. Nope. God made us to have a relationship with us. The reason God made us in his image was so he can live inside of us and have a relationship with us. The reason people should have children is to have a relationship with them, to love them, care for them, enjoy them. It's the same thing, exactly the same thing. God just wants to have a relationship with you. And if you think, man, God's going to mess up my life, nope, we do that. He blesses our life. And if you think, well, I'm just going to ask God because I want to be blessed, oh, yeah, absolutely. He wants you to want the blessing he wants to give you. So I'm going to ask all y'all on all the campuses, everybody watching online, just to bow your heads and close your eyes. For some of you, this is Christmas number five, four. For some of you, this is Christmas number 70. And you've gotten gifts all throughout your life, you probably can't remember 90% of them. If you can even remember what you got last year. But there is one gift that never gets old. It is the gift of salvation. It's the one gift that will bless you into eternity. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death. But the Bible says that while we were sinners, Jesus died for our sin. And he rose from the dead. And that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. That if we would say simply, God, I believe that I'm a sinner, that you died and rose from the dead for my sin. Please forgive me. He would. So as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you would like to ask Christ to be your Savior, just pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe that I am a sinner. I believe Jesus was born of a virgin that he died and rose from the dead. And that he loves me. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Please come live in my heart. I surrender my life to you. I want to be born all over again.
you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And you may be thinking, I, I, I don't want to stand up. Walking with Jesus means standing up for him every day. This is family. If you want the person with you to stand with you, just tap them on the shoulder or the leg. If you want them to stand to encourage you. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'm going to be ashamed of you before my father. Christianity is not something we do in private. It's something we do private and publicly. So if you pray that prayer, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And by standing, you are resurrecting to a new life. So on the count of three in all the campuses, on microsites, people watching online, if you prayed that prayer, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you.